0: What's happening? Welcome back, Season Two Beyond the Fairway Podcast, presented by Genesis. You see these two handsome faces, Dougie Fresh, Will Lowry. Look, coming up, tap it in today with us right here, Beyond the Fairway Podcast. We got the man, the myth, the legend, funny man. He won the 1996 U.S. Open. But it was in a movie, so I don't know if that counts. Peter Jacobson, he's coming by here to go beyond the fairway. We're going to talk players, our picks for Valspar. But, Will, before we do all of that, you got to go to some hallowed ground down in Georgia this week. I ain't talking about Augusta. Where was you at, man?
1: Man, I was at a, I was in uh, Cobb Town, Georgia. Cobb Town, Georgia, where the birds fly upside down.
0: Cobb Town, why? Georgia. Why? Why do they fly upside down? Well,
1: because there ain't nothing over there worth shitting on. However, <laughs> however, there is a beautiful course in Cobbtown, Georgia, called Old Hoopy. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald invited a lot of his friends out to come play. You know, he had his Minnesota friends. His oh, Arizona so you qualify?
0: You, you qualify as friend? Okay, just making sure I understand. I, I
1: just, I think I had to, you know, get the uh, the state. Uh, you know, disparity equal, you know, his one North Carolina friend and just represent North Carolina. That's all. Okay. I got it. So we were, we were there and, uh, you know, the beautiful, it was a beautiful, unique course. Like, like the, the owner built the course for his friends and you can tell it was a, it was a course that was only built for his peers. And I had a good time man. the lodging was beautiful. Uh, we were there for a day and a half or so, you know, and we just got all the golf we can get. And, you know, we were, uh, we were back, but the funny part, Doug is, by being in the middle of nowhere, so you know, um, not to name drop, but I have to just to show significance of if how you're scared. Your Will Lauer, of
0: course, of course.
1: So it was Andre Roberts, uh, Kyle Fuller, and Bryce Butler, all NFL guys, and we were traveling uh, into uh, the, the the premises uh, at two o'clock in the morning, out in the middle of nowhere. We all caught a flight to Atlanta, traveling to this place by two o'clock in the morning. When I tell you these dirt roads were so scary, like. It was. It almost said "Negro, don't come here" type signs. <laughs> it was like, "Be aware, we got guns." Like it was, it was like it was like those type of signs. So when I tell you how these these guys are so tough on a gridiron, man, we were scared. Like there, just as a traveling golfer, we know when our when our our, our spider senses go crazy. Like yeah, no, you can't. know, this ain't this ain't this ain't the road for for us.
0: Well, I tell, you, I tell you what, I'm I'm jealous because all I got to do was hit some golf balls. But been working to move, Will. We got some tournaments coming up, U.S. Open qualifiers, APGA events out there working to the move. But, you know, it wasn't as scary as what Daniel Berger, Joel Damon, and Victor Hovland almost got into at the players on Sunday. Or, excuse me, Monday uh, yesterday, Will. I, I find it very interesting. We all know that... When you hit the ball in the water and it's a red line, you get to drop at this point of entry. The rule is, well, you got to consult with your playing partners. Well, Daniel Berger, your playing partners did not agree with you because you tried to take a drop some 60 yards ahead of where they thought. And then rather than be like, Amenable, will like you know what? I'm gonna just I'm gonna listen to my partners. I hit it back here. They had a better sight line. Oh no, no, this fool gonna argue, will? That, that, he no, he was like, he was like, no, nah, no, nah, this ain't where I hit it. And then at the end of the day, like Victor Hovland is the nicest guy on tour. Will he's the right. nicest. Guy. He, he got he, he, he don't he want got no nice. smoke.
1: He, he got a nice face. Like, like he, he didn't cuss his mom out when his mama tried to throw him under the bus
0: last year, you know? Right, the, right. <laughs> so he, he got a mama nice face. called penalty on him. He's still happy. Lost so the, money. Not, the <laughs> nicest guy on tour was like, nah, bro, you got to go back. And that's, that's how you know... Daniel Berger was in the wrong when you got two year playing part, and then they try to talk to the rules official. Right. Like he called he called mommy in, like mommy, they're being mean to me. Daniel, what, come on, man, you don't what, learn that at Florida State. What, what makes it What makes it funny is that you
1: know I love the thing about Joel Damon. He wasn't letting up. He was like, bro, no. I I, I, I no. this is what I saw, and even Victor Hovland was like, there's nothing you're going to say that's going to convince me no. of what I saw. <laughs> you're not gonna. I, I know. I know. Sometimes eyes can you know can be somewhat of a, a, a trick of the mind. But those guys stood steadfast. No, and, they and, were perfect. You know, I guess we could say, we know this. We know this. Joel Damon and Victor Hovlin would not be invited to Daniel Berger's birthday party. We know that. <laughs>
0: There's no nah, way. Hey, the funny thing is I can't wait to see all of them on the tee next time or the practice tee. I bet they're going to look at him like they're going to do. But it makes yeah, you wonder. like,
1: Hey, but Jude. Dougie, it makes you wonder, like, is, is it a week-to-week thing to the point to where when you have an issue like that, and the following week, you may see him in the at the snack
0: bar in the bathroom. Like, are you are we are we still beefing? Are we, are we still mad? No, or- I don't think it's going to be a beef. I think they'll get over it because it was too much money. But one thing I do want to mention, Will, and that I think is imperative in this moment, is Joel and Victor. They protected the field, and I think that's Absolutely. something that we need to like applaud them for. It's like you have to protect the field. There's too much money. I mean, Cam made. What three point six million dollars? Second place got two million to change. Like you got to protect the field, right? So Daniel Berger, we gonna You know we've got the shanks now. We're going to do a shank of the month. But you are a candidate, yes, for that, and that's a fact. But look, but well oh. go ahead. Oh, I was saying,
1: I was saying, speaking of protecting the field, this this damn weather, Mother Nature, protected the field this week or maybe hurt the field I, I don't know I don't, I don't know what
0: but, but last week they was complaining that Arnold Palmer <laughs> because it was too difficult it was right. too hard then they get to, to, uh, to TPC and then you got Brandall talking about the the hole needs to be modified shut up Brandall yeah I'm that, that, that
1: that's tough you know it, it said a quote that you know it made me think you know he said great water holes are meant to be uh, tempt, but not tortured and so I, I I don't know if I if I feel sorry for the guys. Like I, I don't I don't I don't know if I feel no. sorry for the, all of all the stuff that uh that those guys went through because they look human. And Doug, is there a bit of satisfaction? Yes. in Seeing those guys struggle.
0: Absolutely, no question. It makes you feel like you know what? Do you feel sorry for them at all? No, hell no. Like last year when Brendan Todd hit Shank over there by the tree on seventeen, <laughs> I was I thought it was funny. It's good TV. It's good <laughs> theater. Get he was nervous. He was shaking. He was up there trying to get his palm. No. I enjoy it. We saw Brooks, Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler, Harold, Justin Thomas, all of our heroes hit balls in the water and it humanized them. And you know what? Ain't nothing wrong with that damn hole. They've been playing the tournament there since 1980. And guess what? It, it ain't changed. It's it's the same damn difference. Now, would I shoot a number like they shot? Absolutely not. But we can talk about that for another day, Will. But I I, I want to see guys shoot, you know, five six under. Every so often, right? I don't want to yeah. see like Cam Smith, shout out to Cam. He shoots thirty four under at Century, and then now you know he comes here, he shoots what sixteen under, fifteen. I, I can't remember what he shot yeah. yesterday. I feel but, like that tournament was like this long, but I want to see him go low sometimes, but also want to see him fight par. I, I don't I don't think the I don't think
1: we should only see pros struggle one time out of the year at the U S <laughs> open, I right, give, 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 give me some tracks that I know I can have access to and let me watch you struggle. Let me watch you, you know, cry and moan. And I think, I think that brings everybody, you know, I, I think that makes the game more relatable. You know? Yeah. And, and they got
0: sixteen. Uh, you got sixteen birdie hole. You get there in two with a good drive. And then you got two of the hardest holes on the golf course and 17 and eighteen. I, I like it, man. I like it. But, but I'll tell you who also liked it, Will, and that's Cam Smith. Like this dude, Will, went out there and got it. Like he I love right. that. You know, I he went out there and took it. Like he ten birdies in the final round. I mean, I guess home course advantage, right?
1: Home course advantage, man. The thing about it, man, when 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 you see a player, when I saw him go four for four in birdies, only four putts the first four holes, that's when I knew this might be a special day. Like but 101 his, putts for the whole week. Come his, on, his his mullet was going to be in the wind just a little bit different than anybody else's. You know, so I yeah. I, I appreciate that good golf. And the thing about it though, you saw the roller coaster of emotions in a round. You know, yes, yeah. he, he the first 13 holes, he had so many damn birdies but he also went through a little stretch from seven to nine where he bogeyed as well so you get to see how a guy you know the the recovery percentage and how you know one of the best one of the greats ever do it but out of 13 holes man he had one par one par doug three bogeys but one par that right there he's a
0: player man he's a player he's a player and he's a player's champ He's a player's champ. That, is, that that's, is true. That's what he is. Matter of fact, we got a picture of Cam uh, holding up the trophy, Brian. Let's go ahead and show. <laughs> <laughs> and for those listening, we just put up a picture of Cam Smith holding the trophy, but we transcribed it with Will Lowry's face. So you got this this black man with a mullet holding the player's championship trophy. You know what? You got to go on our YouTube to look at that, though, because that's too funny to miss. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> hey. Okay, that's funny. That's that's. <laughs> Cam Cam Smith taking the players trophy here at TBC. Hey,
1: so how how who how'd you how'd you pull that one off? That was so stupid. <laughs> hey, but hold oh, no, on, no, you- bring it back, bring it back hey, in here. Let's hey. see, Cameron
0: Smith's. Trophy. <laughs> I, I wish I wish had my hairline. I wish I had my hair,
1: oh. my hair like that.
0: So oh, man, he yeah. got it flowing. He went from dreads <laughs> to mullet. Man, that's awesome. But hey, look! Without further ado, it's time to go beyond the fairway with one of Will's favorite. Is it one of your favorite? Probably your he's, favorite person. He's oh, my, up oh, there for you, Will. He's, he's my favorite person in golf. Favorite, favorite person, person in golf and in life and in life. <laughs> Will's life coach and swing coach, kinda, sorta. Hey, let's get to it. Peter Jacobson, let's go beyond the fairway, presented by Genesis.
2: Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
0: Beyond the Fairway welcomes in special
3: guest. We call him Uncle Pete, Peter Jacobson. Mr. Jacobson, what's going on, man? I'm good. Doug, Will, good morning. How are you guys? Great to be with you, as always.
1: Yeah, you know, we were just together... Uh, Three days ago, in uh, in Naples, uh, and now you are in a uh, a house that is warm and cozy, and, out- and you had great lighting, by the way. So that means it must that must mean there's snow outside.
3: Uh, there is, will there is snow outside. I was with you in Naples. We did an incredible event at the Old Collier Golf Club in Naples for the Amacoli Foundation, which is an amazing organization, as you know. Golf's the only sport that can do incredible things for people through the game of golf. I flew up here to Westchester, New York. It is, as you said, the lighting is great because there's snow everywhere <laughs> outside and I'm up here uh, visiting my daughter and uh, son-in-law and two of my grandkids. And I'm actually heading out to a golf course today to go take a look at uh, possible renovation of a golf course. So, uh, I'm warm right now, but I'm in for a cold, a cold long, wet walk on 18 holes of golf.
0: <laughs> well, make sure you bundle up. Peter, I want to start in 1996. I'm going to tell you why I want to go there. Because you actually won the U.S. Open in 1996. It was on 10 Cup in a movie, but best finish was a T7 there back in 84. How was it fake winning the U.S. Open?
3: That was a great experience, guys. (laughs) I'd never done anything like that before. And there were probably 10 or 12 of us, maybe maybe 15 of us that were asked to be in Tin Cup with Costner and Don Johnson and Rene Russo. Ron Shelton was the director, the great Ron Shelton. And we showed up. We didn't know what to do. We didn't have any lines. There was no script. All he wanted us to do was to do like we would at a, pga tour event mill around hit balls chip putt that was perfect it was, for you it was, it was perfect for me because no lines because uh, i'm about the least scripted guy i know me and me and will lowry we're not scripted but it was it was so much fun and it was and it was great because how i ended up winning the tournament was 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 classic we're sitting in a room and ron Shelton said hey who can be here on uh, Thursday, uh, <laughs> July twelfth, and I put my hand up, and he goes, "Peter, you're going to win the U.S. Open because that's the day we're shooting the, the final, the final shot." I went, "Okay, I'm good with that." So that's there was no uh, there was no shots to be hit, there was no money exchanged. It was just that. There's nothing, nothing, uh, nothing shady about it.
1: You know what's so funny, Peter. I, I've watched that movie twelve million times. <laughs> now I now I'm gonna say this. I only see the end of the movie one time. So by the time you say that that famous quote, I think we're playing for second. I, I'm I'm done. I, I cut it off because I can't get through what Kevin Costner's character did on the 18th or the 72nd hole.
3: Oh, I'm. <laughs> I'm the same way, Will. When when I knew the ending of the movie, I didn't like it. I thought it was a cool movie all the way up to that, and then, first of all, who's going to hit a ball and is going to end up three feet from the hole on the final par five of a U.S. Open and have it roll back in the water? Not going to happen. So, yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. But it was it, it, it was a great experience to be on a movie set with these actors. Again, we had no lines; they had lines. I've got to tell you one uh, one situation that was classic, somebody who doesn't know golf. So there was <laughs> Costner and Don Johnson were on a par three team. And I was on the green of this par three hole. And the scene called for me to make a 30-foot putt, turn around, wave to the crowd, turn around, and point back at Costner, who was on the tee. And I said to Ron Sheldon, I said, nobody would ever do that. Tiger no. Woods, <laughs> Jack Nicklaus, Will Lowry, Doug, Peter <laughs> Jacobson, we wouldn't do that. And he goes, well, this is not reality. This is the this is entertainment. So I said, okay. So we set up Costner and, and Don Johnson on the tee. I'm on the 18th green, with or the this part three with Jerry Pate. And I have to make this 30-footer up over a rise. And I said to the, the second director there, I said, you mean you want me to make this putt on cue? He said, yeah. Yeah, you're a pro. You can do that. I said, how many times do I get to do it? He said, well, just do it. You're a pro. And I said, sir, if I could make this 30-footer up over a rise on cue, I would own the world. I, I, you would never have heard of Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas. And he says, well, let's give it a try. So action. I hit this putt, miss. Take two, hit this putt. Finally, after about 10 putts, I turned to the guy <laughs> and I said, could we get to a makeable range, please? So we had to halt production. Coster and Johnson were on the tee going, what's going on? I found an area about, oh, eight, <laughs> nine feet straight in. I hit it a bunch. And it went in. I said, okay, let's do it. And that was the range that we we well, I hit it from. I did make it. And, of course, like an idiot, I turned around and I pointed back at the Back in the tee, and uh, that, but that was a crazy that was a crazy scene that took two hours when it didn't have to.
1: Yeah, that, that shir- shortly after that is when I uh, used my VCR remote and turned you off. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it, that was that's when you made your debut uh, and got your IMDb
3: page. But now you know I want to know you know what what got you started in the game of golf. I was a caddy. My dad. My dad. was a a Navy man. He flew off the aircraft carrier intrepid. He was a torpedo bomber in the war. Mm. And during the war was when he really started to play golf, started to learn how to play golf. He uh, he started as a caddy himself in Portland, Oregon, and he progressed through the game that way. He had us started as caddies in Portland, Oregon. And through that, I started becoming interested in golf. Mm -hmm. So it was really through learning the game from the – hole backwards rather than from the tee to the, to the green, where I learned how to play. I learned how to make putts, learned how to chip, learned how to hit shots and my game progressed from there. But it was all with a, a bag or two, sometimes going double caddying on golf courses for, for money, making a little money, wasn't a lot of money, but it was a little money.
0: All right, so hold on. Now I have to ask you, Will. So, like, all right, you've played golf. You've won over 18 championships, Peter, in your career. And then it's like you just go to TV. Like somehow magically Peter Jacobs is like, hey, I've done movies now. Come on, give me some TV. So how how was your transition from the on-course stuff to being back on-course
3: as a talent? It was one of those things, Doug, that came out of nowhere. I was about 26 or 27, and I was playing the tour. And I got a call one day from Don Olmeyer. Uh, the great uh, TV executive with ABC, and he said, how would you like to be a color commentator for the Skins game? And I knew of the Skins game. It had been on for a couple of years, the one where they played Jack Nicholas. It was a foursome, Jack, Arnold, Gary, and Lee. And they said, would you go to Palm Springs or Phoenix, wherever it was, and jump back and forth and interview the players after they win a Skin? Well, of course I'm going to say, yes, it's an opportunity. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I figured I would learn. So I went down there and started doing that and that's how I got into TV. So I ended up moving up into the booth with the great Vin Scully. Mm -hmm. And we always had Bob Golby on the golf course and Jack and Arnold and Gary and Lee and Tom Watson over the years, they would play. We would talk about it much like calling live golf today. And it was exciting. Everybody was miked. There was a, there was a money value on each hole, 20, 30, 40000 whatever it may, would, uh, may be. And it was fun. And it was over Thanksgiving weekend. So that was how I got my start in television. There was nothing planned. Uh, so I got to it early on. And then I just kind of transitioned from there.
1: You know, you know, Peter, so Doug and I, you know, we always try to bring a, a, a nice little scratch and sniff. When it comes to you know this, this television thing and broadcasting space, and you know Peter, just I mean I hate to say it, but we, we try to follow in your footsteps. You're one of the most colorful personalities on on tour, and or whoever played who had played the game, and um, so we're wondering like you know what some of the I'll no, say we hold
0: on, I'm not in this. Will wants to know. Will well, your, don't, don't
1: don't front because you always be asking me. hey, man, what would Peter do right here? But you know what Peter would do, right? Man, why you put me on black? <laughs> you got WWJD? You got WWPD? Right? <laughs> But so what are some of the characteristics that, like, you know, it would take to be a good, I guess, on-course on
3: commentator coming from the game itself? I think the most important thing to, to, to realize or to understand about you, whether it's you, Will, or Doug, is that we choose to do this. We choose to do what we're doing right now. And that's what bothers me when I'm watching live golf, like I did the Arnold Palmer Invitational last week from from Bay Hill. You see players getting so upset and, they, and they're and they throwing clubs and they're all picked off about how they're playing. I want to reach down through the television and say, remember, you choose to do this. You want to be here. So grow up and act like you want to be here because there are millions of people watching. So I think that passion is what comes through with broadcast. It's what you guys are doing right now. You both love to do this. You're both good at it. When we were talking at the American Century Championship in Tahoe, when I first met you, Doug, and we started talking about things like this, I think it's passion. You can tell when somebody's sleepwalking, you can tell when they don't want to be there, you can tell when they don't care. But you, both of you exude the, the excitement and the, the the enthusiasm that is needed to be on television. Again, whether it's Dan Hicks, Jim, Jim Nance, Steve Sands, Paul Easinger, Nick Fowler, whatever it may be, there has to be enthusiasm for, for, your, for your craft. And if you don't have that, it's pretty easy to see it because the viewer's going to turn you off or grab the remote and change it. But it's so fun when you hear the excitement in a, in a broadcaster's voice that Tiger Woods just won the Open. Or Will Lowry just won the US Open. The screen door open. That that is what's needed hey, to, Peter, to be able to entertain. That's what it is. It's Peter,
1: entertainment. Peter, I just I just paid my US Open entry fee uh for, for the locals. <laughs> I, like the, I like that I like that our foreshadowing right there. I I like that. <laughs> you know, as we as we kinda of move forward, you know, talking about uh, you know, excitement, you know, I don't know if the mood was similar when it comes to the Pebble Beach, your last time playing Pebble Beach this year. You know, talk to us about, you know, the, the emotions that you may, uh, may have uh, had.
3: I was so fortunate to win the Senior US Open in 04, the year I turned 50. I had played in US juniors, US amateurs, and US Opens without winning. But that happens to a lot of people. So for me to win the US Open in 04, the US Senior Open was a thrill. But I think the greatest win emotionally for me was back in 95, when I won the AT&T at Pebble Beach. And the reason being is, it almost feels like a second home to me. Growing up in Portland, Oregon, my family and I would drive down to Pebble Beach at spring break, and we'd throw our clubs on our shoulder. We'd play 36 holes a day. uh, And we just fell in love with Carmel Valley. We fell in love with Monterey and Pebble Beach in particular. So anytime I go to Pebble Beach, it feels like I'm going home. And I've since lost my mom, my dad, and my younger brother. But my sister and my older brother are still alive. And whenever I go there, I always think of them and all the fun we had as a family. So years later, when I got my card in 1977, it was the first PGA Tour event of my career. And that was very special to me because of family. Then I won in 95 and I, Fluff was on the bag. I got the trophy from Clint Eastwood, Dirty <laughs> Harry. I mean, how cool, cool is that? So as my, my career progressed to where I no longer played the at and I always watched it. I always wanted to be involved in the event. So after I played with Jack Lemmon, the late great actor, for 20 years. And then I, when he stopped playing, I played with Huey Lewis, the great heart of rock and roll, which is still beating, Huey Lewis and the news. We decided to go back one last time uh, four years ago, but we didn't make it. Something happened. We ended up not oh, going. Man. So we went this year and we played. I had no chance at the age of almost 68. I knew I was going to struggle probably to break 80, which I did. I did. I uh, shot eighty one seventy five seventy four I think, something like that. It. But it was, I had fluff on the bag. I had a chance to play with and see so many close friends. So I went out there, not for golf, not for competition, but for the historical feeling and the nostalgia uh, one last time. So it was a, a real special week. I can say now that I played on the PGA Tour in six decades, 70s, 80s, 90s. The 2000s, the tens, and the 20s. That means that means nothing to every anybody else, but to me, it's kind of cool. Hey, pass me one of them exemptions, then. You got all you know all the tournament directors, then. Come on, (laughs) let me
0: help help me out, Pete. I still got a little little game. But you know what's funny? I want to. I got a two part for you because it's like as I watch golf evolve, Pete. You've been around the game. You said six decades. I mean, you've seen this game from, you know guy's making no money. The guy's making too much money. Let me say this first in this first part of this question. How spoiled are these tour players nowadays versus the guys when you were coming up?
3: It's interesting you say that because a lot of the older guys my age, we talk about <laughs> how how pampered, I don't know if it, spoiled, pampered, I don't know if those are the right words, maybe fortunate that they are. When, when I first started playing the tour, my wife and I got married. And we started driving on the tour. We didn't have any money. We drove from tournament to tournament. Contrast that today with players that a lot of them fly commercial, but a lot of them fly privately because they have the money to be able to do that. So I call that fortunate. We didn't didn't get free range balls. We had to buy. A range ball. Come on, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Peter. Hold on, Peter. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. So you <laughs> mean, on. tell me, at a PGA Tour event, you had to buy your range balls? Yeah, I knew you guys would would, would come out of your chairs at that <laughs> one. So when I would go to the range with Mike Cowan, Fluff. What
1: year? What year are we talking
3: here? Oh my, Well, I started in 77. So this is 77, 8, 9, 80, 81. And I don't think we got range balls for free. <laughs> Till probably the early eighties, maybe close to the mid eighties. Oh my goodness. So we would always take two or three dollars and we would tuck it in our pocket because when we got to the range in the morning, we had to give the three dollars to get our bucket of balls. Believe that or not, it's true. Facts. And then we would also have if we wanted to practice afterwards we would have an extra $3 to be able to get another bucket. Now, nowadays, when you go to a range, there's golf balls spread all over the place. Oh, man. Oh, my because God. Guys guys get balls for free. and But when we would finish, if I didn't hit all my balls, I'd put them in my bag. And he oh, used to drive Fluff crazy. Well, I was going to say, don't so piss made. Fluff off. We,
0: Pit, fluff was pissed. He's like, damn it, if, Peter. You
3: know, These damn said, balls, don't man. You want, <laughs> don't you want to warm up and hit a few more of those wedge shots to get rid of those damn balls? But, but it that was, that, we, that has that has
1: to realize, like you know, when we talk about commissioners, you know Tim Fincham, all the great things he did for the PGA Tour, Jay Monahan, what he's doing for the PGA Tour, that's Dean back
0: we, then.
3: yeah, we got we <laughs> got to give it up to the uh, commissioner that allow you guys to get free golf balls at the driving range. <laughs> and Will and Doug, I got to tell you, sometimes when we go to these clubs, as you know, growing up, playing public golf courses, playing anywhere we could. You know the old cracked yellow balls, some of the range balls that would go brr <laughs> yeah. Those were included in the balls that we would hit. I'm going to give you one more. When I first started playing the Masters, my first Masters, I believe, is, was in 1980. Man, how much were those golf balls? We <laughs> just, kidding, no, no, just kidding,
1: just kidding, just kidding. No, <laughs> no, we
3: brought our own. Oh,
1: okay. Oh,
3: oh, we brought okay. our own. I used to have a little FootJoy uh, shoe bag full of balls. We would drop them on the range, not the new range, the practice facility that the players use. We use the two little ranges right uh, on either side of Magnolia. Uh, He's he uh, over Magdolia here talking Rock. like we've been there, Will. He's, He's over here there, like we, pointing we, it around. We, we,
1: we have, on, I have not touched a blade of grass on Augusta National. Well, I have, have been to, to
3: Augusta, Georgia. Well, we have to change that. Well, we we, have to we, cha- I'm going to make that my personal goal that the three of us are going get, to get there to tee it up Exclusive. We're, 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 we'll do that.
0: You heard it here first. But
3: I would drop the golf balls. Fluff would go out 100 yards, and I'd hit five or six sand wedges. I would do this, and he'd go back. We had a routine. It would go back to the nine iron. Then he'd go back to the seven. Then he'd go to the Come five. On. And then it got hairy when you're hitting three woods and drivers because don't forget, there's there's 12 to 14 to 20 other guys out there. Gee, so – the on, stories man. of guys getting beamed by an errant <laughs> three wood or a block seven iron, uh, they're they're so numerous. So believe me, back in the day, things were different than they are now. So I will use the word fortunate. The players today, very fortunate. Right. You, you know, you know, Peter, spoiled. you you, you, Peter, you, you, <laughs> you just
1: you just mentioned like the player today. Obviously, you were a fan favorite. You had personality. Who would you say right now would probably be as equal to you when it comes to, you know, playing with the crowd, being on the range entertaining and just being, being loved by the fans? Who would you say?
3: Well, well, that's what concerns me. When I grew up out there on tour, I, w- we always gravitate towards somebody who's like us. It, and I gravitated toward Chi-Chi, Trevino, mm. Fuzzy. We were the kind of players that, we relaxed ourselves during competition by by, engaging with the crowd. In fact, Trevino taught me a great lesson one time. We were playing a tournament, and I tried to be Tiger Woods-focused, Ben hogan focus, And I was playing horribly, and Trevino said, you can't be somebody that you're not. You need to be the same person on the course as you are off the golf course. So he said, be you. And he told me a story that, it takes a minute to hit a shot. So you're Lee Trevino, you're gregarious. You're talking to people left and right. And then when you get to the bag, you pull the club out. It's a seven iron. You're, you're, you're focused. You hit the shot. The ball's in the air. It's gone. It's on the green. The minute the club goes out of your hand, you're back to being you. So it wasn't as tiring for me trying to be Mr. Serious for, for 18 holes of golf. So I learned a lot from Trevino. I learned a lot from Fuzzy, Chi Chi, how to let loose Jim Thorpe, one of my close friends who we used to have so much fun, John Mahaffey. I worry today, will that we don't see those type of individuals because it's become a, a serious business. As you know, I think the players are playing for 20 million bucks at the players championship, 12 million at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So, we don't see the I got time to be the, nice. the Chris Rocks or the George Carlins or the Lee Trevinos or the Fuzzy Zellers anymore because everybody has to kind of stay in their lane. Unfortunately, so I can't answer your question. I don't see many of the it. gregarious people out yeah. there, although there are some really great people that, that work with the crowd. Fowler. Uh, Justin Speith, Jordan Thomas, Rory, <laughs> Peter Malnati. These guys, these guys, when they're done with their round of golf, they do spend a lot of time engaging with the crowd. Phil Mickelson, very much like what Arnold used to do. But on the course from 1 to 18, You're wow, well, those guys are focused.
0: You know, Peter, the second part of the question I wanted to touch on earlier, a great follow-up there, Will, was – I feel like, and, and I'm, just, I'm going to take it here, Will. I feel like we saw more black players back in the late 70s and 80s than we do today, Peter. When we're talking about growing the game, you're talking about being authentic. I mean, that's what Beyond the Fairway is all about, being our authentic selves and bringing golf uh, to, to the masses in a way from a different clubhouse, as Will uh, likes to use. When we're talking about growing the game, not just amongst minorities, but in, in general, what is it that, that you have hung your hat on uh, in this effort to make golf look like
3: America? That's a great point. When I started on tour, I played a lot of my golf with the great Calvin Pete, Calvin and I were great friends, Pete Brown, Charlie Sifford, Jim Thorpe, as you mentioned, Rafe Botts. There were so many black players out there. And I think back then the, the great thing about golf is it's a score. It's a little square on a scorecard. And is it a four? Is it a three, a two, a five, a six, whatever it is. And I think back then, I think black golfers struggle to play country clubs. They, they they, they, struggle to be accepted in the game. But on the PGA Tour, it didn't matter what the color of your skin was. It was what you shot. And I always think about Dr. Martin Luther King when he said, let's be judged by the content of your character, not the color of your skin. PGA Tour and golf is all about the score you shoot, not the color of your skin. But we need to be better with accessibility and getting more players into the game. And Will and I right now sit on a board of a group called the Golf Diversity Program, where we are not necessarily trying to identify the next Tiger Woods or the next Annika Sorenstam or the next Renee Powell. We're trying to identify people that are leaders in the game, the administrators, people that create events, that manage players, people of color integrating into the game more at all levels across the board. So I think that's a really good way to start to change the game of golf and to make it look more like the world we live in. But it's, um, it is a challenge for us all to do that. And again, I go back to the, to, like I said, Calvin, Pete, and I used to play a lot of golf, a lot of, a lot of practice rounds. We used to gamble, uh, try to hustle people, and, uh, you know, it, it was, it was one of those really special times that we need to get back to.
0: I, I want to know when the last time you saw Calvin Pete, a Fairway was may he rest in peace. <laughs> I mean,
3: was it 1970? You know, a I, what? <laughs> I, I, I was low white guy in accuracy on tour because he won the fairways hit in it, like eight or nine years in a row. And mm-hmm. I was, I was right there. Number two along the way. So, uh, uh, I don't want to break it up into color categories, but, <laughs> but I was always the uh, most accurate white guy. The, the, <laughs> we we always we always we always uh celebrated Calvin Pete. That man was incredible hitting the golf ball. Now putting we all know you putt good, you win. You don't putt so good, you don't win. Calvin Pete, he didn't just hit fairways, he put it on the streak, sprinkler lines. He could mm. knock down flags better than anybody. I think, probably in the history of the game. You ask anybody wow. from my generation, they'll tell you the same thing.
0: Well, I say after amazing. last week's players, he he got himself one, and and well, like you know, like we we will not talk about this often, and you know, a couple of weeks ago we had Arnold Palmer's championship, and like who who did more for the game, Arnold Palmer? or Tiger Woods, when you stop and think about it? Because you, you got to see both players' impact. You know, like I think of there's no Tiger without Arnold as it relates to the sports marketing, the Mark McCormick, IMG, et cetera, et cetera. Like when, as you look back, Peter, what do you think there?
3: Well, I think as we get, as we get further on in our lives, and obviously as, as we get further on in our life, I think you'd have to say that Tiger has, has done more, <clears throat> excuse me, for the game, simply because we are in the now if we were to go back to Arnold and what Arnold did for the game, that was, that was the advent of television. And all of a sudden these PGA tour events weren't just played in Cleveland, Ohio and Los Angeles and and Miami, Florida, they were on TV. They were in everybody's living room around the, around the country. So that was the explosion of Arnold Palmer. But the explosion of Tiger Woods is more than an explosion. It's a, it's a it's a nuclear explosion for Tiger. And I remember when Tiger, I remember watching him at the U.S. Amateur in my hometown. It's kind of a funny story. Tiger won his third U.S. junior in Portland, Oregon. I was with him at the dinner the night before. He won the U.S. amateur, his third U.S. amateur in Portland, Oregon. Like I was with him that week. And I just knew that this young man was gonna break records. He was a special kid, as you well know, just recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. but I think what Tiger has done, he's brought all people together, seniors, juniors, men, women, white, black, Asian, hispanic he made it he made people realize that it is just a score, or maybe maybe there are a lot of idiots in the world that don't understand that yet, but we're working there but I'm a huge Tiger Woods fan. I like him as a person. We're friends, but I admire him. I admire him so much for what he's done for people, what he's done in his foundation. I said earlier, there's no game like the game of golf that can do so many things for, for charities and for, for people that need our help in the country. And Tiger Woods is right there. He's um, he's one of the, he's one of the most important people. I would say, Easily on the Mount Rushmore in the game of golf.
1: I I wanted you know to mention um, the the Tiger Woods interview that Curtis Strange had. Because uh, <laughs> uh, so Doug just recently you know uh, Peter just spoke that we're at the Mockley Foundation down in Naples and Curtis Strange was there and that was my first time meeting Curtis and I didn't really I couldn't really catch the vibe like can I h- how friendly. You know, can I be with Curtis? And if Curtis is mad at me, will Peter pull Curtis off <laughs> me from beating me up? I I, I didn't know yet, so I want to ask I want to ask Curtis so bad. Like you know that interview, you know when he kind of snarled. I don't know "snarls" the right word, but when he kind of was taken back when he said. You know how many how many times do you, think you can win or what have you? I, mean, you gotta, the, the, the I just watched wrong. it a couple of days
0: ago. He 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 told Tiger said he came to the tournament to win to it win was like right. his first it's Not fit. that easy. Yeah. And then Strange <laughs> was like, "You'll that's kind of cocky." Oh no yeah. no you'll learn. So, I feel like Curtis so, Strange should issue a public apology. Ap- that exactly. was some bullshit. Well, that was some. Bullshit, though. It was I'll it, be honest completely, with you. completely
1: completely and and cold blooded. So, so that's why I'm like, so I'm mad at myself because I didn't step up and man because you know you I'm always uh, quick to square <laughs> up and not blink, but I was scared. I was scared. So, so Peter, have you ever busted his balls over that? Or that's something oh, yeah. you guys stay away from? Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: Now, now Curtis and I go back to college <laughs> days. He and I are very, very close. We both live in Naples. We both play at the old Collier golf club. We were together with you. Will at the Immokalee foundation. I was with Curtis the next night as well at, a, at a fundraiser for operating he, uh, operations, healing forces. Uh, another great charity that benefits our military. But, yes, Curtis, you have to understand, when Curtis was playing the tour, he was a prickly dude. Mm. He was focused. He was no nonsense, no BS. It was all about winning. So when Tiger said, oh, well, don't worry, I'm going to come out and win, that was exactly Curtis's attitude. And I, we all kind of give him a hard time because we always say, Curtis, That was the way you were. Why can't you give it up to a young man named Tiger Woods who's exactly like you? So, yes, (laughs) Will, uh, when you get back down and we have a chance to play more in Naples, we'll get out with Curtis. You will love Curtis. He will love you. And he loves getting his balls busted uh, because he's going to come right back at you, too. Perfect. Believe me. Uh, I got to watch that. Put a camera on. I call him a a, uh, filet mignon on a grill, kind of tough on the outside, but soft as can be on the inside. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just making sure that you, you'll
1: pull
0: him off yeah. and he's beating me up. That's all i, I tell you what, I think Tiger deserves more credit for, like, not getting pissed off. I, that would have fired me up. Tiger had the poise of a a very, very seasoned, like, veteran in that interview, because I would have been like, who
3: the hell are you talking to, straight? <laughs> like, what the hell is going on well, here? Well, I will <laughs> say this. you, you we have never seen in the history of the game, maybe in sport, somebody who has more cameras and more expectations and more stupid questions thrown at him like Tiger Woods. Yeah, uh, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, uh, all, uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, talking about Little all Lowry, the of the sport. All these greats. Tiger Woods, as I said, I admire him so much because the restraint he shows and the poise that he has in these situations of stupidity, dumb questions. People say things like, Tiger, welcome to the 2019 Masters, uh, well, or, or the 2010 Masters. Um, how you playing? Well, I'm playing great. That's a stupid question. I would say that on a, on a daily basis, 90% of the questions Tiger gets are stupid. 10% are relevant and appropriate but again the way that he treats people and the way that he treats the press i'm telling you nobody has that type of conviction to that poise like tiger well i
0: hope that uh you know tiger go ahead and uses uber more often or a or driver or chauffeur <laughs> as he continues in to make his comeback no 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 we got no no was that a genesis was that a genesis of push right there uh no, that was just Tiger should stop freaking driving. Oh okay, I feel okay. like I, you know, I feel like sp- all the Tiger Woods stories start with a car. So hey. It was like, dude, just 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 let somebody drive you, bro. Like you don't have to, you don't have to drive anymore. Hey, Look, hey Peter, we got we got Genesis as a
1: sponsor, so we're always trying to figure out how to plug a in. That was I thought that was a perfect moment.
0: Go ahead, Doug. <laughs> we got to send you out of here. The only way that Will and I know how, we call it rap foursome right here on Beyond the Fairway Podcast. Peter, you're gonna go play golf with four rappers, so you're playing a
3: five ball. OK, I need to know Peter Jacobson, who are you pulling up to the course with? Well, first of all, you guys know, being a being an older white fella, <laughs> rap came along about when I started having kids. So I've got to go with the first rapper that my son ever fell in love with. And that's Eminem. All right. I actually really like Eminem. Uh, Culturally I love his music. It, now, I see it. He, he, he may be a little controversial, but I, I love, I love, I love Eminem. If, if
1: for the record, Pete, I don't know any rapper that's not controversial. Keep going. Well, that's Fair. true.
3: That, that, that's a good point. Number, All right, we'll Eminem. Number two, I would say probably Dr. Dre, Fair. simply because I respect his business acumen. And mm. the funny thing about being a, in my world, being a golfer, I'm always concerned with what's going on inside the ropes, my scores my twos, my threes, my fours, my fives, sometimes sixes. But I've always loved to know what's going on outside the ropes, the business aspect. So I would say, Dr. Dre, my, my, my third one would be, would probably be Snoop Dogg because again, I think Snoop has fun with who he is. He, he's not, he does, he doesn't strike me as being serious. I know, his, I know his music is serious. The message can be serious, but there's also a lot of playability in his music and, and with the way that he presents himself. But number four is the guy that I absolutely love, and it would be Will Smith. I know okay. maybe he's not a rapper in your sense, he's but he's an entertainer, he's, a he's, a, he's an actor, he's a singer, he's a musician, he's a golfer. I met Will when he played at the Sony Open in Hawaii years ago. Great guy. But I just, uh, men in black, the way that he the, presents himself. So maybe those are loose definitions of rappers. I'll take those. I'll and, take uh, like that. But I think those guys are really great entertainers. And in my world, they're fun people. Well, you better and be Peter, careful playing Peter. with
1: Snoop. I know that. And, and, you better and be Peter, careful of Peter. And Peter, how you are in business, man, I, I would love to see – you and Dre, Dr. Dre and that and that uh, foursome. I, I would love to be a caddy in that one. This is how you guys talk and how well, you Well no, remember.
3: you're not a caddy. Maybe we'll add you as a fifth. There we go. I mean, Will Lowry jumping in here to wrap I, foursome I, yeah. today. Okay. <laughs> you know, Will if you if you wrap us on out, then I'm gonna put you in that fivesome. Okay, well, I'm
1: sitting here Rick, thinking about the days I got Peter Jacobson We about the exit on beyond the fairway. No okay. business. It's me,
0: you Sorry, good, <laughs> you're in. Yeah, there we go. Okay. There we go. Hey, Will don't... Lowry making his rap debut right here, Beyond the Fairway Golf Channel, NBC. <laughs> Peter Jacobson, man, I've had a blast with you, Pete. I hope we get to play soon. I, I want to. There's more. I want to discuss with you. And we'll bring Will along. You know, got to. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Be See, that, that's, that's, I'd be that's, the that's third wheel I right there. I'd be the third wheel. I can admit that's it. I do, Pete.
1: That, that bus. <laughs> hey,
0: that that Genesis
1: bus that he's he run over me with
0: all the time. Sometimes he just don't know when to back up and let me stand.
1: Let me Sometimes stay. I
0: back him up. I got it, you know. No, I'm a kid, man. Look, Peter, thank you so much for joining us right here on a Monday post-Players
3: Week. Appreciate you. Hey, I love you guys. I love being with you. Your show is fantastic. And uh, let, let's keep fighting the good fight.
0: Well, like Will would say, there you have it. Peter Jacobson stepping in, going beyond the fairway. Just a reminder, Beyond the Fairway is presented by Genesis Motor America and the first ever GV70. Dynamic design and exhilarating performance make the game your own. Will, you talk about somebody that makes the game their own. Peter Jacobson does just that. Yeah, man, his his personality carries over decades. You know,
1: I mean, hell, he's been in... Game professionally for over what six decades we counted six six decades six six of them
0: six decades because I can't even get one start it's <laughs> done, done, done. six decades sorry <laughs> let it go Doug that was a little personal like like saying,
1: damn got... Uncle Pete you, you you we gotta we gotta <laughs> <laughs> I want one, yeah, no,
0: no. <laughs> let me just get let me just get one. hey like, talk all about, these, all hey, talk m- about minority oh, no. exemptions. Let me get one. Like he you know what I'm about, I can finish last too. Shit. Talk- <laughs> talking about code switching. <laughs> Damn, Doug, get off Uncle Pete, man. He ain't do nothing to you no, like that. That's-, that's the dude, man. I love Uncle Pete, man. Shout out to Uncle Pete. Good. <laughs> hey, but I tell you this though, Uncle
1: Pete, you know when 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 he when he talks, he has he has a a, a cadence about his voice that people listens. You yeah, know,
2: absolutely. and
1: and every time that he gets into a conversation or get into a uh, 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 whatever he wants to talk about, we, we're going to stop and listen. Absolutely. Uncle Pete, ha- Uncle Pete has some big lungs now. He can go. Yeah, he can go. He, he can go. But it's never it's, it's never not entertaining. It's never not entertaining. So, I you know, I really appreciate the story of the uh, the 10 Cup. It, it, man. I really think there needs to be a golf
0: movie again. OK, we need another golf movie. We need another um, golf movie. I think I know somebody that's working on one, but other than that, you mm-hmm. know, I, yes. I agree. There needs to be a golf movie yes. or screenplay or whatever the hell it's called these days. Man, let it fly, dog. You you, you <laughs>
1: pent up right now. Let, let all the you crap know, I got, got a lot of anger we, in here, man. We, we, have, we, have, we have seven beeps
0: per episode, and you just took three. So. I got two. No, I got, you had one today. So all I right. did? It? Yeah, you had one. Ah, didn't realize it. See, there's two. All right, we we coming back. There we go. Our numbers are back up, ladies and gentlemen. But look, I don't understand one thing because we all see pampered tour players. They're all out, and they're you know they get planes, trains, automobiles. But back then, back in the day, they had to pay for range balls. Well, they had to go and take three, four dollars out of their own pocket and pay. And then you gotta if you don't use your balls. You stash them in the in the in the bag, and then the looper gotta take the balls around eighteen. That's terrible. Eighteen holes with extra balls for no damn reason. I, it, it I blew, mean, my, mind, blew it, it, my mind. Imagine imagine the
1: PJ Tour commissioner as he go into you know uh, the end of that season, and as he proceeds into the following season, one of the topics of his I guess his, his to do list, his outline, <laughs> topic to discuss. Is my players aren't paying for range balls this year? No more. Look how far we look how far we come. We come a long way. We got that. three point three point <laughs> six million dollars is the is the first is first place prize of the players, and but just
0: two three well four decades ago, players are playing <laughs> for the range balls. Put that in perspective. Yeah, paying for their range balls. I tell you one thing though, I'm not messing around with, with Uncle Pete. He made some he made some bold statements about where we'll play golf. On national podcast media and um he did peter jacobson i i'm gonna hold i'm gonna hold you to that one brother you can't just come in here and promise two two guys that have dreamed about going to augusta not hopping the fence but actually going up driving up magnolia lane and parking in a real spot playing augusta national uncle pete we're gonna we're gonna see if your word is born yeah see. absolutely I, I
1: i just went through the throws in the backwoods of Georgia, I would love to go to stop at Augusta this time. I, I went bad. I went by the sign, but if I can stop by Augusta and play and swing it a couple of times, I, I'll uh, Uncle Pete. I appreciate that. But Doug is holding you way more accountable than I have. You no, know, I'm so gonna hold you accountable. Me. No, we're gonna
0: have to do that. No, we're gonna have to. We gotta make that. That he. You can't get somebody's hopes up that high. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and, and then just let them, let it no. Don't take the don't take the air out of my balloon, Uncle Pete. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Will Valspar Championship coming up this week? Um, I don't know where you're leaning, but I'm gonna go right here. I'm going Abraham Answer to get it done. T thirty third at the Players Championship. A lot of good stuff playing, shot three under for four days. Under par round last week, I thought was pretty good. I'm going Abe Answer for the Valspar W. I'll, I'll challenge you, Abe
1: Answer, and I'll hit you with a Victor Hovland. You know, mm, Victor that's Hovland. Not, Victor that's Ho- not the answer. That is that's not the answer. Uh, no, the answer is not the answer <laughs> but is what, what we're
0: talking well, the about. The answer is the answer. Mike, I'm going like, to we'll start calling Abe uh, <laughs> Allen Iverson. Oh, <laughs> don't, I mean. The answer. Oh, the, snap. The, that's pretty solid.
1: I, Thank you you. I that. appreciate but, that. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, Victor Hovland um, finished t ninth uh, this week at the Players and in tough conditions. And he has momentum. And he's going into a week. Uh, the Valspar where he finished T3 last year so mm. I'm thinking my I'm thinking the true answer the true answer mm.
0: is going to be Victor Hobbin with the W Well, as long as his mama don't call in uh, no more penalties on his ass <laughs> I, I, could, I could see that happening but yo we appreciate you rocking with us as always Beyond the Fairway podcast presented by Genesis right here Golf Channel NBC I'm the Fresh One Will Lowry you never know what will be next so stay tuned I don't know, Will. We're going to pop up wherever we feel like it. That's what we do. Beyond the Fairway. We'll at you.